Welcome to today's family experience, helping families pull together in a world that's pulling families apart. My name is Chuck Hagley, and I'm your host as well as the CEO here at Project Patch. We exist to restore hope to teens, build thriving families, and empower supportive communities. And I'm so glad you're taking some time to be with us. Hey, it's probably been a while since you've heard this podcast. I haven't gone away. It's just been a real busy, busy season and doing some different projects, but excited to um, be on, on the on the work here on the podcast as well as the blog and, and getting some resources that, that could be helpful for you. Um, today's topic is sadness. And, and I think some of you are like, why do I need um, to talk about sadness? It's just, I think a lot of people are feeling sad without me bringing it up. Um, but I want to kind of take a different angle today. I was recently at the Replanted Conference, this amazing conference that's, that's in um, Chicago. Um, it's a community for foster and adoptive as well as those who support them. And so it's an amazing conference that happens every every October. And I was in a training, a pre-session on trauma done by my friends Kristen and, and Mike Berry from Honest Adoption Company. And Mike was sharing this saying, and it really wasn't, I don't think, the main point that he was saying, but he shared this thing. And it was kind of this punchy little um, saying that, that immediate made, <laughs> I can't even say, or they immediately made a, a ton of sense. Um, it's short. It's it's one of those things that even though it's short, it gets to this this deep truth that I think I immediately knew um, that it was it was something something important. Um, in fact, I actually wrote it down right away and later um, sent it out on Twitter because it's one of those things that I'm like, wow, um, you know, there's a lot there, and I never heard it quite that succinct. Um, Mike. Um, knew, you know, it was something that he shared. It wasn't his quote. <laughs> um, listen to Mike. He's brilliant. Kristen, they're both brilliant. But this is a quote that they shared from um, Lisa Palmer. And Lisa's written quite a few things, um, some really interesting topics. But but this is a quote from her. And it says, um, angry is just sad's bodyguard. I'll say it again. Angry is just sad's bodyguard. Um, it's one of those things that, I, that as I heard that it, it suddenly really explained this weird relationship um, between anger and sadness. You know, it's it's one of those things that I know those are connected. We see the connection, but it really kind of delineated really quickly for me why, um, what the role is, is for each one of those and, and how angry really steps in um, so quickly. Um, anger and sadness are both emotions that we typically push away. Um, I don't know about you, but it's one of those things that I don't choose to purposefully feel angry or sad. Um, it's, it's something that we either want to push away or at least we want to control it, that I want to control it. Um, you know, can we have sadness without angry? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of times that, that you do feel sad and you just hold that, that space of sadness and it's, and it's there. Um, but can you feel anger without sadness or having something sad happen? Um, Maybe I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be a great discussion point, but but I think we can dig here a little deeper, and, and we'll see that that a lot of times that anger is because of of something. You know, anger can be a primary emotion. You know, there's plenty of things to be angry about. Um, anger is that emotion that we feel when something is, or something, or someone, <laughs> more importantly, someone important to us is being harmed or needs defending. You know, it's that emotion that, wow, this person or this thing that I really value is at risk and I need to do something about it. I need to step in. You know, if it wasn't for anger, I think we'd kind of take some of this stuff as a scholastic. Um, you know, you got the knowledge that something's being harmed, but you you don't move. You know, you're just kind of stuck with it. But anger is the thing that gets us up and moving. Um, we respond to anger with, with action. Um, either saying something or doing something or at least getting out of our, out of our comfort zone. 
um, when we listen to anger in an appropriate way, it really does help us protect and defend important things to us, important people and important things. It, it pulls out the defender in us, which is a, which is a really, really good thing. Um, you know, that being said, you know, when we don't listen to it, there can be, you know, it can be a lot of problems or if we misinterpret our anger, um, there can be issues. But at its purest form, it really is this helpful thing that says, hey, this is important. It's at risk. You need to do something about it. Um, you know, many times anger is this emotion we're expressing when we're actually feeling something different, though. Um, we're expressing anger. It's either coming up verbally or, or in this kind of big, um, big feeling way. But the truth is, is that we're feeling something way different. Um, you know, I tend to, um, how would you describe it? When I feel embarrassed, um, I don't express it in embarrassment. It tends to be this anger and defensiveness. Um, embarrassment's hard to hold, but anger feels much more, much more controllable. And as a teen, I think that was a pretty normal part of me as I played sports. And if I made a mistake at bat, you know, if I struck out or if I, if I did something wrong, um, anger was right there with it, you know, expressing, blaming the refs, you know, mad at the coach, mad at the players who wasn't there for me. Um, that tended to be my way of, of expressing embarrassment just because embarrassment was, was hard to hold. You know, I've, I've been that parent who shouts at my kid after a near miss, you know, where they, where they do something really risky, almost stupid and, and, um, you know, like a get out of, you know, almost get hit by a car type situation. And as soon as I know they're okay, boom, the anger's right there. You know, why were you doing that? And part of that, that response is, is that our anger after we feel that huge fear is that, that idea, don't make me feel this again. And so we, we use threats, we use intimidation, we use the loud voice to really try to protect us from feeling that fear, that, that helplessness, that, that, that immense scare of, oh no, we could lose our kid. And so it's really that, that they go side by side sometimes, you know, please don't make me feel that way again. And we express it through anger and, and, you know, for both of these things, it, it's not effective, but it's, it's pretty natural to do, you know, today I want to sp- once again, look at specifically that, that relationship between sadness and, and anger. Why does sad have a bodyguard? You know, why is it so natural for, for that to take place? You know, for sadness is an emotion that we feel when something um, valuable or important to us is lost, when we've lost something that someone or, or something valuable. Um, it's easy to understand when we think about someone dying, I think that that's pretty natural for us to, to think about is, is, you know, we, we love them. Um, they're important to us and we've lost the chance to talk with them, interact with them, thank them, um, care for them, um, feel special when we're with them, feel that belonging that we have with them. That's all gone with them. You know, we, we don't be, we, we don't have the chance to, to share that anymore. And so, you know, the, the sadness that comes from losing someone is, is not only that we miss those interactions, we miss how we feel with them. Uh, maybe they've pro- played a role in our life to help us, um, you know, have stability, support, encouragement. You know, they were our cheerleader. And so it's hard to face life without them. There's that loss. You know, and so that, that sadness is, um, you know, something that, that us as human beings, we're not, we're not created to feel that. In, in a certain way, because we we're created not to be in loss. And so loss is this incredibly painful thing, loss of a person, um, loss of, of, of a person or a pet um, just leaves us with that, with that void that can't be filled. 
Um, and it, and it's, it's, I think all of us can, can relate to that. Um, on top of that, there's just this idea of, of there's times that, that it might not be as simple. Our sadness might not be as simple as, as someone dying. Um, many people mourned the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Um, I'm guessing that the majority of those people that were mourning never met her and their daily lives aren't significantly impacted by her passing. Um, you know, so I think there's times that, that people kind of belittle that sort of grief, but the sadness and grief are real and they're based on the loss of, of someone who had been a steady force maybe for generations, um, symbolic knowing that she was there. Um, there's, um, just the steady and powerful force of in a constantly changing world. And so the world's changed from generation to generation, but Queen Elizabeth has been steady through that. Um, for other people, it's just this idea that there's a generational loss that, that it symbolizes so many losses of, of that generation who were um, represented by, by her. The, 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 maybe the, the best trace, traits of a generation were captured in her. And so, um, that loss is is reminding them of of grandparents or just a passing of a world that that will never come back. Um, you know, how can anyone fill those shoes that that she did? And and so, you know, there's a, a sadness, there's a grief that comes with that. It's a loss of something that that we thought was valuable and important. And once again, it can be um, symbolic. Um, you know, there's also this this sadness that we feel for expectations that we only dreamed about. Uh, my wife Kelly and I were in a conversation recently with the friends going through kind of a, a rough experience, and and she shared that parents with kids who have disabilities, um, and that's part of our story, um, often experience sadness when they really recognize, you know, and it kind of comes in in flows. But you recognize your child will never um, experience certain milestones that you dreamed of. You know, us as parents, we dream about our kids going through um, things like um, prom, getting their driver's license. Um, getting their first car, playing sports, um, leaving home for college. There are these milestones, you know, growing in their career, getting married. Um, for some people, it's that idea of grandchildren is, is the dream. You know, then they can kind of picture all these, these stages for their, their child. And some of that stuff that they want their child to experience, and some of it is, is what they want to be in that relationship. They want to be the parent that gets to stand up with senior night or, or those kind of things. And so for, you know, certain parents, because of genetics, because of accidents, because of poor choices or whatever, um, those lost, those, those dreams are lost, you know, and they're on a different and difficult path. And so for a parent that's, that's going through this, that, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that you can ignore, um, these losses, but the, probably the best thing to do is, is, is to actually acknowledge them you know, realize that this is a loss. This is something that I'm feeling, you know, it's, it's something that you dreamed of. Maybe it's just a dream, but not having that is a, is a blow, you know, the passage of time, the expectation of time, um, certain rites of passage are, are gone. And so there's a sadness that we feel with, with something that we didn't even have, but just that loss of expectation. Um, I think all of us kind of felt that in, to a, in a certain degree with, with COVID, you know, with the lockdowns, um, as graduations were canceled, um, rites of passages, celebrations, birthday celebrations, um, these things that mark um, time and that are important to us um, were lost. You know, and so I think a lot of us, um, COVID was hard and then it was made extra hard by missing out on, on some of these, these things that are important to us, some of these, some of these expectations. And so as you look at that, you know, really sadness 
is um, one of those emotions that that really does speak to loss. You know, whether it's a real loss like a death or it could be a, a symbolic loss or it could be something of an expectation um, let down with all these things, uh, we feel we feel sadness. You know, and the role of the bodyguard really is to keep threats away. I've, I've never had a bodyguard. <laughs> I hope to never need one. Um, but if you think about a bodyguard, this is someone that, that is trying to live their own life and trying to have their peace and comfort, and, and there are threats. And so the role of the bodyguard is to protect you from those, those threats. Um, I think that what's interesting is that, that this bodyguard for sadness, we know when anger comes out, is it's really um, unconscious. You know, it's not something that we tend to do purposefully. Um, it's something that, that we do when we just want to feel anything but sadness. You know, it's, it's first, I think the explanation for it, there's a quick reaction um, that we have for certain emotions that, that just want us to get back to normal. You know, with happiness, joy, um, contentedness, we naturally want to make it last as long as possible. You know, for me, if I'm having a happy day, let's make it go on, <laughs> on and on and on. Um, we want it, that to continue, but with emotions like sadness, loneliness, um, grief, um, with those, we want to push them away and we naturally want them to end and for us to get back to happy as soon as possible. You know, the goal is, is to let me try to feel good at least feel good or at least feel um, numb, not feel bad. And so our push is just a real quick reaction is, I don't like how this feels. I want to get back to, to happy. Our first impulse when our kids have big feelings, big feelings so many times is how do we get back to feeling um, good quickly? How do we get back to the point of, of everything being, being just fine? You know, so that tends to be the, the push that we have is let's just get back to feel good. Um, let's just get back to, to everything being okay. So, you know, the, the, that's a normal reaction. That doesn't mean that it's helpful for us. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, but it's pretty normal for us when we feel these, these big feelings that, that I just want to get back to, to some, sort of, some sort of baseline. You know, second, we fear that, that if we focus on sadness, it'll just get bigger and worse. That it's just one of those things that's just going to turn up. It's just going to, as we, as we dwell on it, it's going to take over. Um, that is something that as soon as we put attention into it, it's just going to grow and grow and grow. Um, we use sayings like, you know, there's no use mopping around or moping around. Sorry, mopping. <laughs> I'm reading right now. Um, there's no use moping around. Um, that idea that we'd net better, you know, get back up and, you know, get our shoes back on and get to work. There's no crying over spilled milk. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of us parents, when our kids have spilled milk, have said some horrible things that make our kids cry. But but that idea is that, you know, don't cry over spilled milk. It's not going to fix it. So, you know, move move on. And it's that idea that sadness is just, you know, why are you going to feel sad that it's just, you know, it's not going to change anything. You still have all the losses. It's, you know, let's get on and, and live rather than be sad. Um, imagine you're driving your car and as you focus on on the gas gauge when the, when the oil light is flashing. So the oil light is flashing to tell you that oil pressure is bad or, or something's wrong with the oil system. Your engine's going to seize if, if you don't if you don't address it. Um, but the gas gauge, you know, the gas is full at that point. So, you know, <laughs> let's just look at something else. You know, let's look at something else that's good and hopefully the bad stuff goes away. Um, that idea that if, if you just turn up the radio and the noise, the if you turn up the radio, the noise will go away. That, that which, which actually does seem to work with certain cars. <laughs> um, but it is so easy for us to, to feel fear of, of focusing on sadness, feel that, that if we focus on that, it's just going to get worse. And so let me find something else to focus on because that'll, that'll cure, 
cure everything. Um, third, when we feel power, we feel powerful when expressing anger, but real vulnerable when feeling um, when we're when we're feeling sadness. Um, and most of us want to feel powerful rather than vulnerable. Um, it happens to be an easier and more commonly emotion for most of us to feel sad. Excuse me, feel mad, um, especially for boys, is that there's just a um, mad is is masculine in a lot of ways, where sad is not. Um, anger also feels like we're doing something rather than just being a victim. You know, we're we're not going to take it, and we're going to to fight against it, and it feels um, like we're we're at least doing something, you know, and, and so many of the times that, that sadness just feels like, what am I going to do with it? You know, and finally, it's easier to blame shift with anger than it is with sadness. With anger, we can focus on getting, um, getting even with the person that's responsible um, with that fantasy that once that person's, you know, been taken care of, our sadness will go away. So if we can find the villain and destroy the villain, then the sun comes out, the rainbow shines, and, and everything's going to be, be good. Um, you know, Disney's made a, a fortune out of this this storyline that that we can live happily ever after as soon as the villain's gone. Um, the reality is, even with justice being carried out, even with um, punishment of the of the wrongdoer, um, we still feel sad. We still feel sad. Um, that loss is still is still with us. And and a lot of times we feel like, you know, should I be able to even share the sadness because, you know, I, other people have it worse than I do, or, you know, now that it's been taken care of, what do I feel sad about? Um, but it's, it's something that, that we still feel and we, and we, and it still affects us, you know? So the question really comes, what should we do? Should we just allow anger to be the bodyguard? You know, is this natural? Is this the way it should be? Is this a good system? And first of all, it's, it's really a destructive system because unattended sadness doesn't go away. It grows. You know, sadness is not something that mellows over time. It tends to seep into other parts of our life um, and cause even more problems. Um, even though it's uncomfortable and scary, we need to learn how to focus um, on sadness and become curious about what's going on. Um, because it's one of those things that if we're not curious, if we don't focus on it, it's just going to grow and it's going to start, start affecting us in, in more confusing ways. You know, second, holding sadness is, is a long-established spiritual practice. The ability to be curious and to hold on to our, our sadness is, is something that, that is biblical. I mean, when you look at the book of Psalms, um, 60 out of 150 of the Psalms were lament. Um, lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And so 40%, that's a huge portion of Psalms that are lament. Um, what I find it interesting as a, as a lifelong church attender is that you rarely hear lament um, shared in church. Um, where in the in the biblical times it most likely would have been. You know, that ability to have passionate expression of grief or sorrow and for it not to be an evil or a bad thing. Um, that's a, a real uncomfortable space for, for modern Christians. Um, but historically it's been a, a huge part of the Christian experience is to be able to bring to God um, our questions, our grief, our sorrows, um, and and there's a work that that's done with it. Um, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five four said, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." You know that idea that that being able to be blessed because of that. You know, being able to bless because we're putting our attention on things, um, marking the loss. You know, marking the loss of most of important people, especially, um, will be something that'll lead to comfort. And really the opposite of that is, is when we don't mourn properly, it, it ends up affecting us in some, some really dangerous ways. You know, third, um, we can respond to sadness. 
And that's probably a podcast on its own. <laughs> you know, it won't, um, I'll kind of tease you with that idea, but, but, um, you know, if you have a gas, if you have a oil gauge that's, that's on your car, that's flashing, you should respond to that instead of ignore it. And so as you figure out how to respond to it, you know, is it an oil, um, that oil's low, is there a leak? You know, what exactly has to happen in the same way with your sadness, you know, reflecting on it's really a key thing, becoming curious about it. Um, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Um, what forces are making it, making it stronger? And so there's a lot of people that cried about the, the queen's passing, but probably ha- didn't take the time to figure out what is it that exactly is, is I'm feeling sad about. Yeah, sure. The queen's feeling, you know, loss. Um, but for me, what, it, you know, her passing is, is loss, but what, is, what about specifically for me in my, in my mourning? Um, and being able to reflect on that. And from that is just, you know, really journaling um, the, the idea of, of lament, being able to be comfortable with, with writing down those things is, is really powerful. Um, you know, sometimes there's, there's a need to memorialize or honor um, what's been lost, um, to be able to, you know, to somehow really give it its, its um, proper due. And so, you know, honor the people, um, honor the season that's lost. Um, you know, be able to do it in a way that's, that's um, tangible. You know, there's the idea in the, in, in the Bible of grabbing rocks and setting up memorials for certain things as a, as a kind of a reminder point. And so there's, there's lessons for that. Um, there's also lessons that we can draw from the loss, you know, things that, that went wrong, things that contributed to it, things that escalated it. Um, there's a lot of times that it's a lost relationship that just kind of looking at it, what can I learn from that? And then I think the final thing is just kind of it's a good reminder of what's valuable to us. You know, what is it that's important for us to protect as we move forward? The people, um, the time that we have with people. Um, so for any of us that have older parents, you know, just the, the you realize that what a, what a gift it is every time you get to be together. You know, um, the gift of, of being able to have, have um, meaningful and, and conversations of depth with, with a parent um, for with an older parent is, is a true gift. And so you take advantage of that, you know, the chance to hear stories, the chance to have a laugh. Um, and so you start reflecting and, and spending more time doing the things that are, are valuable, making sure people hear um, the messages that are, that you want them to hear. And so, you know, those are three of the things I was thinking of. And as we think about, you know, what does this mean for us as, as families? Um, how do you help your kids, um, whether they're young kids or teenagers, maybe explore this, this thought and, and, maybe understand a little bit better about this relationship between anger and sad. Um, so that sad doesn't need a bodyguard so that sad can, can do the work that sad needs to do. And that angry can do the work that angry needs to do, but not get in the way of, of the healing that we, we so desperately need. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is important is take time, you know, why don't you share this, this saying Liz, um, Liz, Liz, Liz Palmer's I'm saying with your kids, angry is just sad's bodyguard. You know, write it down, have, have them, you know, what does that mean to you? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, why do you think that is? You know, really start, become curious about this, this saying with them. Um, you know, another thing is to explore the difference between the push and pull emotions. I think our kids always benefit from hearing, um, you know, what we, what we do with, with things that are uncomfortable. Um, why do we want to push them away when maybe there's a better response to it? And then I think some of the things is, you know, what lessons can we learn from our sadness? You know, what does sadness, why is it that when we feel this loss and we have our big feelings, what is, what is something that we can do that, that isn't harmful to ourselves or relationships? Um, what's, a, what's a positive thing we can do? 
So anger has, you know, its place. But what I'm talking about in this episode is just that we really do need to be extra thoughtful about when I'm feeling angry. You know, it's not easy or natural to pause at that point. But would I benefit from exploring whether I'm really sad and scared? Um, or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm just really too scared to go there and to, to hold that. And so part of the, the skill set we have as, as parents as well as, as training our kids is that, you know, the natural thing isn't always the most beneficial thing. And so taking that pause, getting curious, you know, figuring out how is it that I can learn lessons from, from sad, um, what action steps do I need to take when angry is telling me that? <laughs> but for today, you know, what is it that I can learn from, from sadness? Um, I'd like to invite you to take some time, you know, as we close this time, as, 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 as you look at, at some of the resources that we have on, on Project, Project Patch's website, www.projectpatch.org. Um, we've got quite a few um, blogs and podcasts out there. They're older, but there's still some, some really rich um, information out there. And we also have a new um, video series called Life Ready Kids Tough Topics. Um, the first in the series is on loneliness. It's available on our website. It's also available by going to YouTube and um, going to Project Patch's channel there. I'll put links in the show notes so you can see that. Um, and so in all these things, I just really hope that you do take some time and um, get to know the resources that we have. You know, thanks for your time today. You know, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at chuck at projectpatch.org if you want to dig deeper into the topic or things that we've covered. And um, we're a resource. We really do want to help you. So now go out there, connect with your family. We can help at Project Patch and today's family experience. We'll see you soon.